we surrender that we are not we are not in control right we like to feel like we're in control the ego is all about that the ego loves to feel in control i think the key is you know we all have a spirit and so that spirit needs to find a place where it flourishes and where it grows and that is what is coming up on bootstrapping your dreams show so stay tuned now here are two powerful words to change your life. What if? What if you do have what it takes? What if you can design your life? What if your crazy dreams do come true? You are here because you have a dream. You have a fire in your belly. You want to change the world and you want to lead the charge in the post socially distant era. The big question is this. How can ambitious people like us build our dream lives? This podcast gives you the answers. We have created the perfect community of the world's best minds who want to get things done. Survive and thrive in this uncertain world. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. I'm your host Manoj Agarwal and I have a very special guest today with me, Angela Prider. So Angela, whose uh, spiritual name is Little Bird, she's a spiritual teacher, initiated spiritual healer and somatic practitioner. She has been practicing and teaching shamanism and conscious living for over 20 years. Her personal journey of transformation began in 1992 when she came to shamanism and Kundalini Yoga amidst a healing crisis and time of immense change. Since then, she has immersed in her spiritual practice on the medicine path and completed extensive in-person training and initiation uh, through pil pilgrimage, her teachers, and the sacred plant medicines. Over 15 years, Angela has been blessed to share the wisdom and practices passed on to her from her Celt Celtic ancestors and indigenous medicine teachers through trauma-informed uh, offerings, including cacao, sound ceremony, the shamanic arts apprenticeship, conscious living circles, and plant medicine integration, both in Canada and internationally. Welcome, Angela. Ah, hi, Manush. It's nice to see you. Yeah, hi. Um, so, yeah, I've been uh, learning from you uh, for, for a few years, and uh, you've had a tremendous effect on my life. But I would like to learn a little bit more about you. In fact, I, I don't know much about your journey. So, um, so if you can share with us and with me your, your life journey and how did you come at this, uh, this juncture? Yeah, totally. I'd love to share with you. And it's so good to see you. It's really good to see you for sure. Thank you for having me here on your, on your show. It's terrific. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just, um, oh, where, where I'm just trying to think of the most succinct place to start here. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, when I was in my late 20s, uh, I had a healing crisis. Um, I grew up in Australia. And, you know, like everybody, I had life experiences that have been challenging. And then the way that I sort of coped with those was to dive into my career. And I was, you know, a little bit of a workaholic. I was a computer graphic artist. And um, I also had an alcohol problem. And then, you know, as many young Aussie people do, I traveled over to Canada. And then the next thing you know, um, you know, my life fell apart because I couldn't stop drinking. Mm -hmm. 
and um, you know, I was married at the time and I kind of burned that down and relationships with my family and all sorts of things. Um, anyway, I managed to, um, you know, get a lot of help through therapy and bits and pieces. I stopped drinking and then a friend of mine invited me here to, um, to a First Nations sweat lodge. And, you know, I really want to honor the um, unceded territory of the Slavertooth people uh, that I, you know, uh, live with here, live on, the land that I live on. And the, um, the sweat lodge was with the Squamish Nation here in Vancouver. And now I just had no idea. I was just kind of in that place of like, I'm desperate. My life has fallen apart. I was barely putting together enough money for rent. Um, my career was toast, you know, I had sort of a bit of a part-time job waitressing and, um, you know, sort of lived on my own. It, it was a mess. It was a real mess. Right? And, um, anyway, I went to the, the sweat lodge and, um, I didn't really have any idea what was going on. Um, but I just, uh, they just welcomed me and I just kept going back and I just went for healing and what I realized now looking back what was happening was that I was experiencing this massive ego death you know this whole structure that I had created to make me feel like I was okay and that I was somebody which was all connected to my ego was just like smashed to smithereens right yeah. uh so that that's what started me on the path um was going to that sweat lodge every week and then um you know, staying sober and doing my personal work and going through my transformation. I also was connected in with a, you know, a really beautiful, humble Kundalini yoga teacher. And I just started on this path of discovering um, teachers for some reason that everybody I've come across that I've worked with for any extensive period of time has been a very humble person they're not necessarily on the speaker circuit, but they have very, very, very deep medicine, you know. And so about three years later, I uh, went to a circle uh, with uh, Donna, Bernadette Veg Donna Bernadette Vigil, who is in the Nahual tradition and her, she had apprenticed with Don Miguel Ruiz for many, many years. And I just w would go to a healing circle every week, you know. And I just, I, I was just desperate. What do you do when you're desperate? You just go, you just show up, right? I was in so much pain. Um, and then after that, I, I really started to explore um, through the foundation of shamanic studies in the States. I started to go more deeply into shamanism and what is called core shamanism. And that is like the universal practices of shamanism from around the world, but without a cultural overlay. And the whole idea with the foundation of shamanic studies is that they're really discovering the, the universal practices without appropriating, um, you know, without, without being white people appropriating uh, indigenous spirituality. And that was something that was really important to me. And so many years later, probably about mm, probably about eight or nine years later, um, I became, I had been back to school, I had a counseling practice, and I started to really notice 
uh, in working with people, particularly with trauma, that um, they really needed that that spiritual healing. We really, really need that to understand the mythology behind our life and why we have been through the experiences we've been through. Um, so I studied with the Foundation of Shamanic Practices and then I traveled to Ireland in about uh, 2011 and I really began to research and explore the um, the old ways of my ancestors pre-colonization, you know, to find out kind of my ancestral roots as, um, as a guide or as a facilitator of healing. Um, I'm really getting connected and uh, connected to my ancestors and connected to those uh, indigenous ways of Ireland. So, um, Around about this time as well, um, I was traveling and met my teacher, Don, Mart Don Martin Pinedo Acuna from the Andes in Peru. And in a conversation through his translator, I started to discover that the, the ways of my ancestors, like from you know hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the cosmovision that we worked with was very, very similar to um, uh, the ways in uh, the Andes, the, the traditional healing ways of the Andes. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, because of uh, colonization in Ireland, those ways are lost. So I don't have a living lineage where my grandmother was a healer and her grandmother, it got lost, you know, with um, Christianity coming in. So I learned um, from Damartin and also Donna Bernardina, two of my teachers, how to work with the cosmology of this old Celtic and Western Isles way and European ways, but um, working with the energy medicine practices. Um, so what I practice now and teach now is a blend of those ways so yeah so that that's been my journey is this just like 28 years of like you know just traveling along a day at a time and just sort of tr trying to do the right thing basically yeah amazing I, I think you're helping uh, you're helping a lot of people at a very deep level so you're doing really amazing work so mm, thank you and now you brought up one important point is uh, you know a lot of people try to understand why they are having certain experiences in life. And right now, uh, obviously, we are going through a global experience. Uh, so how, you know, how can we explain what is going on? Do you do you have any thoughts you can share about uh, why are we experiencing something this, uh, this uh, uh, stressful uh, at, at a global level? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, for starters, I mean, any of the viewers can just Google prophecies. Um, there are some very interesting prophecies out there from the Hopi Nation in the United States that um, sort of predicted that there would be a time where life or the river of life would be moving very, very quickly and it would be frightening and you either, you know, you're going to hold on to the side of the river and be afraid or you're just going to allow yourself to go into the flow and connect with like-minded, like-hearted people who are saying, okay, this is scary, but I'm going to, I want to be conscious here. Right. Um, and that takes a lot of courage. Um, and the same, you know, uh, in the Andes, there's the, 
the prophecy of the eagle and the condor and people might want to also viewers might also want to check that out because a very similar kind of idea uh, around you know these old structures being taken away now this is just this is just initiation you know the path that i've been on shamanism it is a path of conscious initiation in other words what we're saying is that we surrender that we are not we are not in control right we like to feel like we're in control the ego is all about that the ego loves to feel in control right um so you know it's really just predominant at the moment that life can change at any time and that life we can go along and and be in this place of like life is happening to us and it really sucks but really there is a great order to everything and life is really happening for us mm -hmm. and you can try to turn away from that and you know have a lot of mental suffering and anguish or you can lean into it and allow yourself to change and to grow and to become more conscious mm -hmm. the challenge of that is that you have to embrace death you know life and death are just this old married couple and they've been walking along for millennia yeah. so in order for us to change and grow we have to embrace letting go and that's what death is about and that's what we're seeing here is these old structures of the way that things were are falling away, you know, and the old belief systems are falling away. And we can see this right at this time, especially with the Black Lives Matter revolution that's happening, is we're seeing that many of the structures that have been set up, they work really well for the dominant culture. But in order for unity to happen, those have to fall away. Mm -hmm. It can't just be a structure that's been set up that works for white people. It has to be, we have to let go and embrace so that everybody has a chance because the more that we work together, the better um, our evolution is going to be as human beings, you know? But that means there's no other way than to just allow things to fall away to accept and we're not very good at that because we're a death denying culture mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we don't embrace death we don't we're not we're not we're really uncomfortable with it mm -hmm. you know so this that what we're in now is what i like to say this is a time of initiation this is an initiatory experience where we are face to face with uh death and rebirth so initiation of what initiation of uh individual initiation of our species of our like uh can you unpack that for us yeah sure well yeah i mean we're just a microcosm of the macrocosm mm -hmm. right so on an individual level when you go through initiation um it's really just a death of the ego right so when you look at this, um, this process of death and rebirth, which happens, and it's just happening more quickly now, that's why it's so obvious to us, right? So what the ego loves is the ego really loves, you know, structure, uh, prestige, roles, entitlement, control, mm -hmm. right? 
So what happens when you don't have these things anymore? The ego, like we freak out. The first things and we, and we go into an existential crisis, mm -hmm. right? So the first thing that happens when all the structure falls away is, is this experience of groundlessness. Yeah. It's like, holy, I have nothing to hold on to. The ground and the, the, the rug has been pulled out from underneath me. My routine isn't what, what it thought it was. And um, I don't feel in control. I'm not in control anymore. And that brings up a lot of anxiety for people, right? Mm -hmm. The next thing that happens for uh, the ego uh, on an individual level is this whole feeling of isolation. We start to feel really alone. And we're a very individualist culture right? So um, we start to feel alone, we start to feel isolated, um, which of course is an illusion, because we are all connected, and we really are all one, right? So this illusion that we're in control falls away, the illusion that, um, that we're, um, that we're like an individual, and we're just doing our thing that starts to fall away. The whole idea of identity, right? prestige, roles, work, look how many people are unemployed now, right? Um, all of those ideas of our image of like how we like people to see us, that's all ego, that falls away. So we don't have that anymore. So it's just like, oh my God, who am I? What am I doing? Where am I going? All of that starts to happen. And then finally, you know, death is present, which means death is the teacher of life. We learn how to live through death mm. right yeah, so yeah. we start to look at well what am i what am i even doing with my life i mean the amount of people during you know covid that i've heard say you know they've stepped out well they've been forced out of their routine and out of their life mm -hmm. and even myself the amount of people with the quiet and with the um you know if we've had the privilege of being able to keep our job and stay at home for example the amount of people who have been saying, what have I been doing living my life at this pace? Mm -hmm. This is crazy. I've got enjoying more time with my kid or, um, you know, sure, I don't have as much money, but do I really need as much money? I mean, personally, I've only filled up my, my gas tank once yeah, yeah. in the last almost three months. Right? Do, I, do I need to be going out and getting a, five dollar starbucks coffee every day i don't need that like so people really start to look at the quality of life over the quantity of life mm. and they start to look at what is really important to me you know, my kids are really important to me you know that's more important than you know that i have to get that car or that we have to go on that holiday or that we have to like this whole consumer's mindset right so a lot of that has fallen away and when you start to get that on a collective level or in a business or in a large workplace then what happens is values start to shift mm -hmm. and that is where change can occur because now as we start to see our world opening up a little bit right people are starting to see what they really value and so from those values, people, you know, we, I think we're all starting to say, as we start to open up the world, what do I really want my life to look like? Yeah. What change am I going to implement to keep some of this quality of life? Yeah. 
yeah. you know that's true that's true mm-hmm. that's true now um as a follow up question you know as as we know a lot of people that uh, that are in our circles they they have been thinking about these things for a while like you know the covid has already you know sort of expedited this whole thing but there are a lot of other people who are not you know who are sort of who are very ambitious and and they were living that lifestyle of achieving more and more and more they have not been sort of thinking about these things so uh by default their thought goes towards okay you know how i'm going to get through this and make more money and protect my family and everything so how do we at least help them initiate their mind uh, and and their thought process and look at this as a as a rebirth of some sort and 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 uh, and uh, and uh, an opportunity to improve our lives for for permanent mm-hmm. yeah i know a lot of people haven't been thinking in this way um and in fact like i see that some people like if you if, you know when really in that place of ego and it's not a bad place but people are thinking oh this is an amazing opportunity i can even make more money out of this and and i think okay well that's great like go ahead and do that at the same time it's like how are you going to help while you're doing that if you can if this is an opportunity for you to make more money and for you to support your family even more who else can you support yeah yeah, yeah. what what other change can you contribute you know not just to your family but to our world maybe it's a time to start to look at you know um how we can be of service because you know we can go along for a certain period of time and you know some people it's their whole life and that's just that's absolutely fine but i really believe on a deep deep level that you know we are all completely unique nobody has ever come here like you manush nobody ever will potentially again you know so there when we look to nature for example when we look to the earth when we look to you know um when we look to our planet every single thing is connected to every single thing every other thing so when you remove one thing from an environment the whole environment suffers that means that that means that every tiny living thing is contributing to the whole well we're exactly the same as people so great if you're going to you know make more money and this is a great opportunity and all those kinds of things but what are you contributing yeah. you know what is unique about you that you're adding to the whole i think that that's a really important thing yeah that's great and then um you know obviously there are other people who are kind of scared they are anxious uh, you know almost like a uh, uh, deer caught in a you know headlight scenario so what can we share with them to sort of address their anxiety and and understand what is going on yeah okay so for starters i think you know this is where i've i've trained as a somatic practitioner which is all about helping people to um you know to bring their nervous system back to a state of regulation after going through trauma right first of all in our culture because we're like this go 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 consumerist achieving culture what we see is this massive epidemic of anxiety right anxiety and digestive problems and all sorts of autoimmune stuff and this is because the majority of people are not regulated they're just living in this kind of you know the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight response so people are living in this chronic kind of fight or flight you know state right Mm-hmm. and um they can't kind of bring themselves down they can't regulate they can't relax right 
And so um, that's one level of that. The other level of that to remember is that, you know, um, just speaking a little bit about, you know, somatic work is that everybody is born with a different nervous system, right? We're all unique. Some people are like, I always say this, some people are kind of like, you know, they're like a, an ox. They're just kind of solid and they carry on and, you know, life brings these big things, but they just kind of carry on. They're okay. Other people, they're like little birds. They're kind of like anxious and sensitive and we feel everything and everybody's different, which means that no matter what you've been through in your life, you're going to respond differently. Things are going to impact you differently, right? So some people are responding to this like an ox. They're like, oh, yeah, there's another thing going on. I'm just going to carry on. I'm going to be okay. Other people are freaking out and we're just more sensitive and that's okay. So for the people, you know, and most of the people that I work with, they're usually quite sensitive people, right? And sensitivity, as much as our culture looks at it as a weakness, it's actually strength, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I say to the people who are, who are sensitive or who are experiencing anxiety, you really want to lean into your spiritual practices big time, you know? You really want to lean into those things like really good self-care practices, whether that be meditation, uh, yoga, um, you know, you're working out, physical exercise is really great. Journaling where you just get to have a brain dump, just get everything out of your mind if it's all swimming around out there, doing a whole bunch of um, brain dump. Yeah. Being connected to a spiritual community, whether it's your church or your, you know, even online, right? You know, I have a large community and we've been connecting, you know. Um, so leaning into your spiritual practices so that you can regulate your nervous system is key. Like mm -hmm. having a resilient nervous system in life is, is really the key to success, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, so that just means that some people, they have to really take care of that um, and really, really be mindful of, of it. So leaning into those practices is, is a very important piece. Let's take a quick break for an important message from the Bootstrapping Your Dreams community. Get the support and insights you need for your business and life. Join our community, which is fueled by the same people who advise the world's top leaders and champions. Stay ahead of the curve. Join us now by navigating to bootstrapping.group. And one thing I want to point out, this is sort of my personal uh, thing, uh, and uh, it may be a little bit controversial, but you brought up the point about joining spiritual communities and, and churches and so on. Uh, so I want to distinguish between the organized religion and spirituality. What are your views around that? Like, uh, do you think... Uh, somebody can be very religious and be in touch with their spiritual side as well or is it mutually exclusive yeah no totally i i think i think the key is you know we all have a spirit and so that spirit needs to find a place where it flourishes and where it grows right so um if you're in, if you're a Christian, for example, the community that you're connected with, the goal with that community is to bring you closer to God mm -hmm. so that you can experience a deeper intimacy with God.
But sometimes with dogma and organized religion, people actually feel further away from God. So that's the key. It doesn't really um, matter it, whatever your whatever is going to bring you closest. So in my practice, which is essentially animistic, which means that we're connected to um, animism, is like life force, anima, life force, right? So I'm I'm looking to connect with a life force energy, primarily of nature, mm-hmm. right? So I want to ensure that my community. And my practice is going to help me to feel closer to nature rather than disconnected from nature. So whatever that is, you know, I've heard some things like, you know, religious people, religion is for people who go to church on Sundays and spirituality is for people who go fishing, right? Or hiking on Sundays, whatever your thing is, right? Um, uh, So... I also think it's important that whatever your spiritual practice is, it leads you to a state of inquiry, that you are inquiring into yourself, you're uh, inquiring into your own spiritual growth and your own consciousness. You're inquiring and you're developing the skills to be able to uh, look deep within yourself to find some of the answers and that you're through coming closer to God or spirit or whatever it is, that your your spiritual growth means that you're able to de- develop wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so I think for some people with organized religions, they end up just um, looking outside of themselves for the answer, mm-hmm. right? Rather than turning to God or that connection with spirit as a way to find the answers and to receive guidance, they're turning to, you know, a set of rules or a set of instructions. And that's fine. You know what? Seriously, if it works for you, that's great. But I think it's very important that as human beings, we're empowered. Yeah. You know, that, and that we we learn how to ask questions. I also think that that's something that sometimes, well, definitely, I mean, I grew up Catholic and I never questioned the priest. I never questioned the Bible. I never questioned the nuns that I went to. I wasn't allowed to ask questions. Who was I to ask questions? And yet I know in my own circles and with my own students, I always say to them, if you don't understand what we're doing or why we're doing it, then you need to ask me. It's essential that if you're doing some sort of spiritual practice, you know why you're doing it. That's true. That's a very important point. Inquiring um, and going within. Like I remember uh, you giving me these specific instructions in many, many of our meetings to go within. And, uh, you know, that's where the breakthroughs happen because I was always trying to look for solutions outside. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's a very important point for sure. Uh, now you, you also talk about grounding yourself and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, it's very clear to you what it really means. Um, but to somebody who is new, uh, that term doesn't mean a lot and, and what what uh, effect it has on the body or the mind. So can you help us maybe give us maybe a few practical tips like the one that you uh, gave us earlier mm-hmm. on how to uh, ground yourself, how to you know sort of face uh, the challenges that are uh, coming our way or they're already here. Uh, anything that you can uh, share with the audience, that would be awesome. Yeah, totally. I think something to understand is that in our culture, we're a very mind-oriented culture, 
right? So, you know, my teachers in the Andes, um, they kind of laugh at that, like, you know, the mind, the world of mind, right? And we live in this information technology, you know, pool that we swim in all day long, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that we spend the majority of the time in our mind mm -hmm. and we just live up in here. And then when we're living up in here, we're not actually having an experience. What we're doing is we're having a whole bunch of information and a whole bunch of thoughts, but our experience is through our body. Mm -hmm. And we are embodied people. We're not just a mind. We're a whole being, which means that we are, what I like to say is that we are a multi-intelligence. So if we're only accessing our mind, we're only accessing one of our intelligences, right? So our heart, for example, the heart, um, the electromagnetic field of the heart is way bigger than the brain. The intelligence of the heart is a whole other intelligence. We understand now that we also have a mini brain in our in our gut. Mm. So that gut intelligence is a key, key piece. And then we have what's called the felt sense, which is our nervous system and our ability to sense things through our body. That's a whole other level of intelligence. So we are a multi-intelligent being. And if we're only living in our mind, then we're not accessing all of our intelligence. So that means that when we talk about grounding, what we're saying is to bring your energy out of that little world up there and down into the whole experience, down into the full experience. So when we talk, when we think about words like humility, human, humor, right? They all come from the root word humus, which means earth or ground. Yeah. So as a human being, you're made of the earth. You know, when somebody cracks a joke at exactly the right time, it brings us all into our body because we're laughing. When people are humble, they're, um, they're not all like puffed up and living up here. They're down in their body. So things that ground us, um, um, and one other thing about that is because we are so mentally focused in our culture, it can be very hard for the mind to let go, to let us come into the body. For some people, it takes a lot of practice. So some of the things that you can do are just basically meditations where you're body-centered. So a body-centered meditation just looks like, in this moment, I notice my feet on the floor. What do I notice about my feet on the floor? How do I notice it? In this moment, I notice my legs. In this no moment, I notice my hands. And you just notice parts of your body to bring you down into your body. Mm. So paying attention to the feelings that you're feeling elsewhere in your body. As well. Yeah, body sensations. Sometimes people don't even know how to identify a sensation. If I say, you know, what do you, what do you notice in your hands right now? People say, oh, I notice like I'm really angry. Well, Anger is an emotion. It's not a sensation, right? We have sensations in our body from that emotion. But if I say to them, well, what sensation do you notice in your hands? Are they warm? Are they cold? Do they feel tingly? You know, do they feel tense? Just noticing body sensation is an awesome way that you can begin to become grounded, you know? Okay. 
Um, nature, can't, can't recommend it enough. Like get outside, go for a walk in nature, go sit in nature, don't be, leave your phone at home. Seriously, it's going to be fine. You'll be okay without your phone. It's not, nothing big is going to happen. Just leave the phone at home and go and go for a walk in nature or just sit in a park, no earbuds, no nothing. And then you can just close your eyes and tune into the sounds. Just notice there goes a car. I can hear a bird. I can hear the wind rustling in the trees. Just tune into that and then notice what's happening in your body. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, being in nature is so powerful because if we do it enough, we can start to tune into the vibration and the energy of nature, you know, and it, um, it helps us to just recalibrate and regulate ourselves. And so we come, you know, we come back into the body. And as when, you know, one of my teachers says, you know, during windy times, which is exactly what we're in right now, is like the top of the tree, the way, yeah. right? Because it, you think about it, if there's a windstorm up the top of the tree, everything's blowing around. But if you can come back down into the trunk and down into the roots, it enables you to actually think much more clearly because you can slow it all down. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Now we have a couple of questions from the audience. So if, if you have a few minutes, um, I'd love to ask. Sure. Yeah. So, so uh, Bayram is asking, can we be happy just being an average normal person? Oh, yeah, totally. For starters, nobody is average. What is average? You know, average and normal compared to what? You know, we have a disease in our culture that I like to call compare and despair. You know, oh, I'm not this and therefore I'm just average or I'm not this and I'm just normal. Like, no. So for starters, the best thing to do is to step away from the comparing and despairing. And within that, we discover that there's nothing average and normal about the most average and normal person because we're all completely unique. So we need to get to know ourselves and find out what's unique and then celebrate that. Awesome. That's great. And one more question is um, somebody's asking about imposter syndrome. So they have uh, been successful in their career and uh, now they're facing some imposter syndrome. Uh, so how can they recover from that? Yeah. So imposter syndrome is kind of saying like, oh, if people, if people find out that, um, like I'm doing this thing, but inside I don't really feel confident, right? So very, very interesting. When I first started my healing practice many years ago, this is before people even talked about shamanism, right? I couldn't even use the word because it was so weird, right? Now it's like this cool hip thing. But back then it wasn't. It was just weird. And I would do, be doing this healing work with people and I would hear these voices at the back of my head like saying charlatan, charlatan, right? And I was just like, and I really just had to, I really just had to um, pray and keep moving ahead with what I was doing and start to focus on how is this helping? Is this helping? Oh, it's helping. Okay, then. So it's basically like, it didn't matter anymore, whether it was my imagination, or it was real, I was making up or it was spirit working through me or whatever. I had to look at the results. It was working. People's lives were improving. So the imposter imposter syndrome also can say, like, I don't really have a right to be here. 
Mm. You know, I don't really have. um, So there's a couple of things about that. I want to go back to life is not happening to us. It's happening for us. Mm. And that everything in nature is perfectly aligned. So imposter as in like you're, you're not an imposter. You're this unique human being who has gifts and abilities that nobody else has. So when we really know our gifts and we show up in them, and this is, I just bring this up too. This is an important piece. Mm-hmm. Our culture is all caught up in finding our purpose in life. You know, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Well, you know, I want to really honor the Blackfoot people because the elders there, the medicine women and the medicine men say, and I thank them for this, is that your purpose in life is to bring your gifts to each moment. That's all it is. It's not about some destination. The destination is right here, right now. And what is, what are the gifts that I can share in this moment, in this very, very moment, in this average normal moment that is going to help and to create harmony and to create change, right? So I think the key is that the more that we are connected to our unique gifts in a humble way, then the more um, we understand that, um, of course, as a human being, we have a right and a responsibility to share those gifts, you know, to be of service. So I really hope that that helps. The other piece within imposter syndrome is it's really, really important that we go deeply into our craft. You know, we really, it's very, very important that, you know, I'm not a believer in you go and take a weekend workshop and then you go and you do whatever. Because as my teacher, um, Donna Bernardina says, she said, you know, if your medicine isn't deep and aligned, it'll become awkward. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you don't, if you haven't really experienced and embodied what you're sharing on a deep level, then it's going to feel awkward. So go more deeply within yourself. You don't need to go out and get more education or more whatever. Go more deeply within. And then when you really, really embody, really embody um, your wisdom about something, then it, sharing it just becomes a natural, comfortable thing. Yeah, yeah. so this person is uh, specifically talking about a technical skill. So uh, yeah, I mean, just to summarize, you know, they really need to understand their craft and, and get really deep into whatever they are passionate about and then that that insecurity starts to go away because now you are so confident about your knowledge and, and the experience that you already bring to the table. Totally. And, you know, if it's a technical skill, what is it about you that's unique in working with that technical skill? Like everybody, you, they have a lot of guitar players out there, but what makes the music so unique is because it's the person that's playing the guitar. So yeah. to so to when you really know yourself and you're working with a skill, it's your unique way of doing it that make can make it you know so amazing. Yeah, great. So you brought up uh, one point about shamanism. So can you um, help us understand what that really means? Like, uh, frankly speaking, for me, before I met you, shamanism was you know gave me a picture of just sort of abandoning everything, going to the jungles, and just living there for forever. So. Um, many people may have that misconception. So can you help us understand what this all means? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, other words that I use really these days, maybe more than shamanism, is like earth medicine, 
or the earth medicine path or animism. So when we're talking about um, animism, what we're saying is um, that we understand that everything is alive and that everything um, has an essence or a soul or a spirit and that everything is connected to everything else, right? And so that also that there are realms that are unseen to our regular eyes, right? And from those realms, there is a lot of support available to us little human beings to help us to move through life, right? That this, um, or, you know, in some cultures, they may say that great spirit or, um, um, you know, the unifying life energy, life force energy of the universe is expressed in many different forms in the world and that it's all connected, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but in shamanism, the, um, the specific sort of practices are about learning how to go into a deep trance, uh, a trance state so that you can, with intention and with discipline, learn how to um, access the other world for guidance and wisdom mm -hmm. and uh, for the good of yourself or um, your family or a place in order to bring about harmony. So we're just learning how to access guidance and wisdom um, from, um, you know, from source in order to improve our lives. That's great. Amazing. Mm -hmm. well, thank you so much. Uh, you know, that uh, uh, I don't know how time passed by so quickly. Um, uh, now, how can people reach out to you uh, if they want to learn about shamanism or if they want to just get in touch with you and learn uh, more about life uh, from you? Yeah, sure. So um, you can check me out. My website is westcoastshamanic.com. And probably the best place to catch me is on Instagram. Um, which is at West Coast Shamanic. Okay. Um, I'm not as deeply involved in <laughs> Facebook as I used to be. I find it it's just a little overwhelming for me sometimes. Um, but yeah, Instagram at West Coast Shamanic is a good place. Um, I, I often have some uh, videos posted there of all sorts of things. And um, yeah, that's probably the best place is Instagram and my website. And people are welcome to, to shoot me off an email if they have questions as well. Well, that's great. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today and sharing your wisdom. Uh, I have had a, a tremendous, tremendous benefit uh, by learning from you. So I hope people uh, can reach out and uh, gain, uh, gain the gift of life and wisdom that you uh, openly share. Thank you so much. And thank you, Manush. Thank you for bringing the show and for all you do in the world for sharing your gifts, right? It's, it's a real pleasure to watch, to watch you, to watch you share your light in the world for sure. Thank you so much. Thanks. That's all for now. Until next time. If you want to realize your full potential, I invite you to join our community. We support and help each other out because no one has to do it alone. Join us today by navigating to bootstrapping.group. The community is free to join, no strings attached except for one. You have to take action. So if you are an action taker, we want to talk to you. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. If you want more insightful interviews with industry leaders, 
then check out the other videos we have picked for you right here and subscribe now to get our new content.